a big case on paper ways actually does come up in extinguishment too, which is the Melrose Fish and Game Club Inc. v. Tennessee Gas Pipeline Co. Um, LLC. That's a 89 Mass App 594. And so that's an example of paper, how much paper ways are a disaster um, because the fact uh, that this was an easement by estoppel paper way. And one of the problems with easements by estoppel is that alternative access does not frustrate the possibility of having an easement by estoppel. And so in that case, this paper way was not even needed, um, but it ended up having the effect of stopping the reasonable development of the serving estate. So it, paper ways are, to Carrie's point, they're a nightmare. Um, and just because it's not built out doesn't mean it doesn't still have effect, um, which segues into extinguishment. Um, so, I mean, easements exist until they're extinguished in, in one of a series of ways in Massachusetts. And once it's been determined that, you know, the easement holder has the burden in the first place to prove the easement. But once the easement's existence has been proven, it's actually on the serving estate owner's um, part, the, the, their burden to prove that the easement has been extinguished after it was created. Um, and so the ways that you can affect an extinguishment of, or termination of an easement in Massachusetts are one release, which is essentially the express easement version of easement extinguishment, which is there's an instrument signed by everybody who has any interest in the easement area, um, relinquishing, releasing, remising, abandoning all right or interest um, in the easement area. That's the cleanest way. That's the way that um, it should be generally done. Um, from a title perspective, um, from Catherine's perspective, that's probably the only thing that means that the easement won't exist anymore. Um, there are fact-bound ways for an easement to stop existing, but like prescriptive easements, there's no way for title examiners to know about this stuff until, an, until a judgment, a clerk certificate has been recorded or registered. And so there may be great facts for an easement no longer existing anymore, but it's sort of inchoate um, you know, the, the unencumbrance of the property is inchoate until a court actually de decrees that it's so, and that, that decree has been recorded. And this the fact that, yeah, oh, of course, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, I was no, just no, going to no. say, for when there's an abandonment, obviously when there's a release, it's removed as an exception under the policy. Um, if there's an abandonment, uh, we had a case um, recently where uh, we were reviewing the title and there was um, an easement in a deed from 1930. And the easement says, you know, the abutter can use um, the easement to enter onto the dock to use for loading and unloading products. The property has changed use. Um, there's been a fence up for the last 30, 40 years. For, so for insurance purposes, um, we could potentially give affirmative coverage, right? Because the easement is of record, we do have to take exception for it, but we might be able to give affirmative coverage that no one's going to be able to enforce that easement because it's either been abandoned or it was, you know, pursuant to its terms could have, um, you know, no longer can be used now because the, the use of the property is something different. And maybe having the sellers provide affidavits saying, you know, we've been here for 30 years or whatever it may be, and no one's ever used this easement um, and give some sort of indemnity. You can go about it that way. That's Sorry that's, to interrupt. No, no, of course, yes. Yeah. Uh, one cautionary tale on that kind of thing, though, is the Hamuda decision from the appeals court where the express easement was for access to a garage. 
expressly for a garage, and then the garage got torn down. And the appeals court said it, the easement's still there. So it can, you know, that sometimes this can be an exegetical question of like, is this a conditional easement such that the condition, you know, subsequent or precedent, you know, would allow the easement to no longer have, have effect anymore? But that those claims, you know, like how that ends up, you know, getting decided by a court can be pretty tough to to know how it's going to go. Um, and sometimes can be counterintuitive. Like you'd think an easement to a garage, if the garage is no longer there. But it was a, admittedly, it was a garage for a single family home, and the single family home was still there. So, um, but sort of the, again with the you know easement law is all over the place, and it's a it's a model of internal inconsistencies and tensions. So it's like it, it, it's good that you're all here to learn because there's a lot to learn. Um, Nick, can I just jump in for one sure. second? I, I yeah. realize that with the background that three of us have, um, we're coming at it from what's on paper and how we're going to react or how we're going to handle things. But the one thing that we generally have not discussed, I think any year that we've done this, is the role of the closing attorney, um, and specifically an attorney who has to give a certification under Chapter 93, Section 70. Just because Catherine's going to give you a way that you don't have to worry about this as an exception to your policy doesn't mean it shouldn't be included in your in your certification. Um, and not that this the case that I'm thinking of has anything to do with easements, but it, it does have to do with what happens if you act as though the what the insurance company tells you is one that is is the only thing, um, and you don't put it in your certification. And, and um, um, I would just caution. And I actually make these notations myself, even if it's something that Catherine says, okay, I'm going to give you authorization to issue this without taking exception, it should still go in your certification. Yeah, I mean, it's the difference between marketable title and insurable title, right? So I'm willing to insure something or take the risk on something where you as an attorney should definitely be telling your client, hey, there's an easement, we think it's terminated or we think it's abandoned, but I'm gonna take exception for it on my certification of title. But you're covered because your title insurance company is giving you affirmative coverage against enforcement of that easement. Thank you. Right. Sorry. Distinction between risk about. assessment, I'm sorry, Carrie, what were you saying, Carrie? I was apologizing, actually. Oh, <laughs> oh no. The, the difference between risk assessment and what is? Right. It's like there's a very low probability that this is a thing, but that doesn't mean it isn't a thing. Right. So um, the the uh, fact fact bound ways that an easement can be extinguished for which you will need a judgment if you want to really have it be extinguished and terminated, um, generally speaking, um, are abandonment, um, frustration of purpose, merger, adverse use and estoppel um, abandonment. Um, is non-use, but non-use alone in Massachusetts can be 300 years of non-use. That's not going to be enough. There's got to be some um, evidence of an, uh, of an uh, affirmative intent to relinquish the easement on the part of the serving state owner. Now, as a wrinkle um, in, under Massachusetts law, that can take the form of a positive action on the part of the serving state owner. Like if I put a stone wall over the access point of the easement, leaving my property and going on to the next, you know, that's probably a pretty good idea that I don't want to use the easement anymore. Um, but it also can be in the negative. Um, and this subset type of abandonment, having canvassed the case law, it actually is exactly the same 
as extinguishment by adverse use. Um, it, so it's non-use coupled with acquiescence to some use by the dominant estate that's inconsistent. I mean, I'm sorry, the serving estate um, that's inconsistent with the continued vitality of the easement. So an abandonment can be affected by my sitting on my rights, letting somebody build a house on the right of way. And if I don't protest for some period of time, less than 20 years. So this is one reason why abandonment can be better than adverse use um, as a claimant. Then it, it can be abandoned in essence in the same way that an easement can be extinguished by adverse use. Um, frustration of purpose, oft claimed, very infrequently found by any courts. This is essentially when the easement is created or at some point thereafter, it becomes literally impossible to use. Not like um, practically impossible, like impossible now, and it's very hard to imagine a set of circumstances in which it would be possible in the future. Um, I've even seen cases be like, well, they could actually negotiate some right to be able to use, you know, to, at, so, so it's, a, it's a theory that exists notionally, but it, it's very infrequent that it prevails. And, and that actually was the, um, one of the arguments made in that, that Melrose fish and game case. They're like, it can't be used. And that didn't, didn't matter. Um, um, another is merger. Actually, this one, this one is a title one that can work, um, that you can figure out on the papers that a title examiner can figure out. Um, it, it is based on the simple logical premise that I don't need an easement over my own land. So when dominant estate, and serving a state come into unitary title at some point after the easement was created, the easement is extinguished by the doctrine of merger. Now, this is a formalistic doctrine, so all of the boxes need to be checked. So, for instance, if there's different types of title between dominant and serving a state, that won't be the kind of merger that the law recognizes in this area. Um, not to be confused with merger for zoning purposes, which explicitly doesn't require identity of title, but rather common control. So it gets very confusing with this stuff, um, but an easement can be extinguished by merger when dominant and serving estates come into unitary title, same type of title. Um, if the intent upon severing that newly created common estate is to create an easement again, you've got to actually say something to create the easement. Um, otherwise it won't be recreated. Um, Adverse use, as I, we sort of mentioned, um, I mentioned in passing, adverse use is essentially um, adverse possession on steroids because it's not enough to prove that you add, because it's your own land, right, if you're the serving state owner. So it's like, I already own it. So you have to prove that you've been adversely using that land subject to an easement in a manner that is utterly inconsistent with the continued use of an easement. So essentially, you have to engage in conduct that would amount to material interference in tort law for 20 more years in order to extinguish the easement under this doctrine. But again, abandonment can be a good stop gap because if it isn't used for like 18 years, um, abandonment actually may lie um, in uh, litigation. Um, estoppel is a sort of newly, this is the SJC adopting the restatement. Um, and, and again, this is a concept that has been uh, favorably referred to in the case law, and to my knowledge, has never actually prevailed in a case. Um, but, but theoretically, um, if uh, 
and, and this is sort of like abandonment and adverse use, but it could be a shorter timetable. So it's sort of like latches kind of thing. You know, it's um, if if I through an affirmative statement or conduct or even silence. Um, as the dominant estate owner, give the serving estate owner the sense that the easement is no longer no, no longer operative, and then the serving estate owner um, detrimentally relies upon that statement, conduct, or silence. Um, think about again, probably building a house in the middle of a right of way with knowledge of the dominant estate, and then it gets built. There would be some argument there that the easement has been extinguished by estoppel um, in that type of case. Um, one final thing about all um, uh, extinguishment by adverse use, just to pivot back for a second, is that um, it's useful in that you can do a partial extinguishment. So if you're um, if you're serving a state and you're occupying part of the easement area, um, the Lemieux decision from the appeals court stands to the proposition that certain areas that have been occupied so they can't be used, you can get a decree that the easement has at least been partially extinguished as to those areas. So you don't you won't have to remove your improvements if they've been there for 21 years. So that's